When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. Thank you to Rocco's, to Jello Shots, to Chester Bras, Pringles, Ice Cream, Mustaches, Stephen Chalk, Ivan Melendez, his dad, all of those great things that we've had in Omaha over the last week plus because the games have not lived up to the billing, at least until there was Ole Miss and Arkansas. Finally, two teams that gave us games that were decided by three runs or less, a couple of gems more recently, most recently, Dylan DeLucia, who pitched Ole Miss into one half of the College World Series final series after a nine-inning complete game. Thriller for Delusia and Ole Miss is in the College World Series final for the first time in school history. Oklahoma representing the other side, making their third ever appearance with David Kahn. I'm Kyle Schasperger. That's Hayes barking in the background. Michael Serber is also here. We're all remote today to bring you another edition of College Sports Now. So uh, w- with that said, Khan, uh we'll get to the games. It, it's been very lackluster, at least on the whole. Not a exciting College World Series. However, the Razorbacks and Rebels did did deliver. Um, we won't even start with the games. We're going to start with the new head coach at Florida State, and that is Link Jarrett. Yeah, I mean, we we all knew this was coming, right? Once Florida State said adieu to Mike Martin Jr., we thought, okay, their guy is Link Jarrett. And the only question was, would Link Jarrett lead Notre Dame to the promised land and win it all in Omaha? And then from there, would he still go to Florida State? Well, Oklahoma took care of the first part of that conversation. Notre Dame was bounced out of bracket one, and Oklahoma's in the finals. So then it's all about will FSU complete what everybody thought was basically already a done deal, signed, sealed, and delivered, and they did. Link Jarrett returns to his alma mater, the 2021 National Coach of the Year for D1 Baseball, now at the helm at Florida State. I mean, it's a match made in heaven. We talked about it. Florida State goes and gets their guy. Good for them. I still have a little bit of an icky feeling in my stomach because of the fact that, you know, Link Jarrett and Mike Martin Jr. were roommates. I mean, that, that's that got to create a little bit of tension from back when they were at Florida State together. But, hey, I mean, Link Jarrett's going to a prominent program, and Florida State continues to, to bolster their baseball acumen. We tried to come up off the top of our head last week when discussing this. How many times, how many opportunities or uh, episodes have there been of a coach leading their team all the way to the promised land, or at least to the biggest stage for their particular sport, and then bolting to another school. Con, I, I've, I've given this more thought. I, I don't know if there's anything that jumps out to you. There isn't for me. I, I think of Chris Beard, who left Texas Tech to go to Texas, but that wasn't immediately following his run to the Final Four. There were still some, some ancillary years in between. I mean, is there an example for you that pops out? I mean, this, this is very unprecedented, but also... 
super understandable at the same time. I don't think it comes as a shock or surprise to any, given that Link Jarrett, two-time All-American, 93-94, led Florida State as a player to three College World Series. The all-time leading assist dude with 802 in NCAA history holds that record. Played for the legendary Mike Martin. Yes, you bring up him being teammates with Mike Martin Jr. That certainly is going to make it an awkward uh, conversation between those two moving forward. Hopefully they can shoulder you know, the differences of the situation and continue to be friends uh, because you know how close Martin and Jarrett are, but I don't know of any other times where a coach has, has left in this sort of situation, in this vein. Um, for Notre Dame, I, I feel awful for the Fighting Irish, but at the same time, like Florida State is light years ahead of what Notre Dame is from a baseball standpoint, not to mention the nostalgia of returning home. Your wife was a cheerleader there as well. And warm weather and, and more fertile recruiting grounds with less academic restrictions. Yeah, you mentioned all of the reasons why Link Jarrett should go back to Florida State and why it's a no-brainer for him as a baseball coach trying to continue to advance his career, why the Seminoles are the better move. And it's like this for all of us, right? Like, we all have deep connections and deep roots to our alma maters for a variety of different reasons. Like, obviously, I mean, it's it's no secret I have talked about the fact that I'm a, I'm a huge Tulane supporter. I went there for college, and I'll always have a very strong connection to them for a reason that I won't be connected to any other college, you know, unless I, I end up being the play-by-play voice of a college one day, and, and then that'll probably kind of equate to where that is at, at, at Tulane. But, you know, Shazam, same thing for you and same thing for Serbs. Like, we all have a deep-rooted connection to where we went to school. It's a big part of our lives. And for Link Jarrett, it's the same thing, right? Like, you mentioned all the different things. He played baseball, went to the College World Series with the Seminoles. His wife was a cheerleader there. There's always something drawing him back. There's always that one little blip in his radar that says, hey, if Florida State's job is ever open, I mean, that's one i got to go after. That's one I've got to pursue because of how much Florida State University means to him personally and to his family. So it makes a lot of sense. Good for Link Jarrett. Uh, warm weather, certainly a huge plus. Recruiting trails, certainly a huge plus. But for Notre Dame, I mean, they've put themselves back in the national spotlight once again for another year, this time getting to Omaha for the first time since 2002. They had a phenomenal season. You wonder how many of those pieces are going to be able to return for Notre Dame, especially with how many of those guys shined on the brightest stages and really piqued the interest of MLB teams getting ready for the draft coming up next month. So we'll see what happens with Notre Dame. But, I mean, the Irish certainly aren't out of the picture by any uh, you know realm of the conversation. But it remains to be seen who will replace Link Jarrett as their head man and if that will cause a mass exodus of players into the transfer portal like we've seen with plenty of these other teams who have lost their head coaches and subsequently lost a bunch of players heading to greener pastures. Significant roster turnover there will be as Notre Dame was you know one of the older teams uh, in the field this season start to finish so yeah I, I don't know where they go from here you know do they give some guys a, a look uh, that have already turned down other jobs to to remain where they are um, or do they promote from within I mean this isn't something new for Notre Dame having new experience I mean look back at, at Paul Maneri when he left Notre Dame the last time that they went to the College World Series in 2002 he left for the South and he went to LSU which, Con, did you think it was weird at all, all the pulmonary love over the last week, all the coverage, all the stories being written about him and Notre Dame and him wearing a Notre Dame jersey and a polo and all of that? Like, where did all of this this love, and I get it, he coached there. He took them to Omaha. He was the last coach, so I get the connection. But to me, as a guy with, with some LSU ties, and, and you are plenty aware of this as well, you know, growing up and, and watching LSU and seeing what they become on – became under pulmonary and how beloved he was by that fan base in that community. Like he was an LSU tiger more than anything else. So it was kind of like going in the rewind machine and going way back uh, and, and making all these loose connections. Um, it, it was a bit awkward, uh, kind of like we were being force fed the whole narrative of, of pulmonary is Notre Dame baseball. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Like from what you said, he took Notre Dame to Omaha and, and that they're here. So why not highlight it? Because like you said, he was the last coach to take Notre Dame to Omaha. But yeah, we got too much of it. It's almost <laughs> like you, you ate too much of your dinner. Like it looked really, really good. And so you just made two plates of it and you went back for seconds and thirds and fourths. It's like Thanksgiving when you slip into that food coma afterwards and you're like, oh, I ate way too much, but it was still really, really good. Like, the storyline itself is is fun, right? You want to highlight it for as long as as uh, Notre Dame is in there, and they're in there for a little bit. 
Palmineri, obviously one of the greatest baseball coaches of all time. He's there. You want to highlight the fact that he's there supporting Notre Dame a year after stepping away from LSU. But yeah, we were thrown into like the heaping pile of Palmineri. It became all about Palmineri every time Notre Dame was on the field. There was arguably no mention of the Florida State opening at all, which, I mean, across baseball national media at the collegiate level, everyone was thinking, when is Link Jarrett going to Florida State? But yeah, it, was it wasn't. Never, it was never talked about. ESPN it was never a secret at all. No, but but ESPN didn't mention it. Like there was there was no mention of this could be Link Jarrett's last game at Notre Dame. It was never talked about. And yeah, they well, all just they just they just looked at Palmineri, and they didn't really even focus on Notre Dame's actual team. Like it was more about oh, Palmineri did this and that at Notre Dame. Well, yeah, he did. But look at what Link Jarrett's doing now. I think some of the coverage. Depending on how you view it, uh, to me, I think a lot of the coverage uh, was unfair when you, when you get to the national stage, and, and maybe that's because we're junkies and we look at it through a different through a different lens, and we can be more critical because we work in this industry too. So it's easy for us to you know second guess or see the way things are covered and talked about, and you know the journalistic side of it, and and what is going to what is going to entertain, right? Um, I, I don't know. This is one small example or very large example, because it was thrown at you and just shoved into your face, as you indicated. But um, I feel like when you get to the biggest stage, like you're trying to accurately portray and tell the story of the entire season of these teams. And sometimes um, these things kind of take a life of their own and you focus you know, more time with a certain subject than you should. And then you don't pay certain attention to, to other parts of it. And you only get 10 days. You know, down here and, and, and with some teams, if you're Stanford and Texas, you only get two games each, two in barbecue. So, you know, what are you going to with with Ivan Melendez? It's focusing on showing his father repeatedly over and over again, which reminded <laughs> me of DJ Uangalile. I was going to text Serber and be like, and, and Serbs, I don't know if you caught any glimpses or images of, of Ivan Melendez's father, but it reminded me of big DJ. Uh, when they would show his dad repeatedly, especially during that Georgia game, but early uh, throughout the season. And it's like, who, whose father would you rather have, you know, behind you in a dark alley? Because each of those two men are extremely menacing. Hey, hey you got to throw in Sonny Deshara's dad, too. Oh, yeah, Sonny D's dad. I'm, go- I'm going with Big Dave because he has legit been a bodyguard for hip-hop and pop artists in L.A. for, the, you know, DJ's entire life. Like, that's his mm-hmm. career, his bodyguard. So I'm going with Big Dave all day long. I don't know if you can tell me what Ivan Melendez's dad does for a living, but I'm going with professional beat dudes up guy. Uh, well, I mean, he could uh, <laughs> he could be the local pitch man for Modelo. Uh, that, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> he, he might be stocking all the stores uh, in, in El Paso where, where Melendez is from. As well as the state of Texas, uh, and he and he's also um, he, he's packing. All right, like he's he's a, a dude you do not want to come uh, sideways with at all. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you, you saw that across the board. You know, from from the Pringles with Texas. I mean, some of these things are like season long, you know, jewels. Um, and and we want to bring those back, and we want to talk about those. And and some of it gets overkill at this point, but I guess you can't help yourself. So, um, but yeah, Link Jarrett is in Tallahassee. Not a huge shock. We saw this coming. Two-time National Coach of the Year. Three-time ACC, uh, two-time, three-time League Coach of the Year. ACC in 2021. What was it? UNCG in 16. Yep. uh, 18 as well uh, for Coach of the Year in the League. College World Series, again, for Notre Dame. First since 02. Back-to-back Supers for the first time in Notre Dame history over the last two seasons. 41 and 17 this year. Most wins for the Irish since 06. 301, 198 in his career, uh, spanning UNCG from 13 to 19, the Notre Dame 20 to 22, and then uh, four College World Series, three as a player, and one uh, at Notre Dame. So, yeah, that's where we stand with the coaching carousel. The the biggest shoe has has dropped, and now Notre Dame is open, so we'll see where they go from here. Um, Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate. Or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. 
Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Do you want to talk, you want to talk some games now, Con? Shall we? Yeah, we should talk some games for a little bit. Then, then we want to get into the Jello Shot madness that is Rocco's because, oh my goodness, I was following that more closely than I was the games. Yeah, and and that's been part of the problem or lure or you know sensation of of this season. Like, thank you so much, Rocco's, for providing uh, all of the drama, all the thrill. How many shots are going to be purchased at one time uh, by one individual from Arkansas or from Ole Miss? And I think the latest count, <laughs> and we'll get into this more. The, the latest count that I had saw was there was a two thousand uh, shot purchase, which was like nine. What is that? Like nine thousand dollars because they're four fifty each uh, yes, by correct. one Ole Miss fan. Uh, during the during the final game of the semifinals on Thursday between Arkansas and Ole Miss or just beforehand. A game that was moved up, which, you know, I appreciate it. And it flew by, too. It was yeah. inside of two hours and 20 minutes. So uh, Hardy Boy di- is, the, is the fan on Twitter who purchased the $9,000, 2,000-shot order for Ole Miss. Jeez. Unreal. Unreal. Also, they moved it up because it was the NBA draft. That, that's yeah, why. NBA, NBA draft, you didn't have a second game to deal with. And I think they were a little bit worried of some storms. In the area. So, you know, television, television many times, all the time has the final say and they're not going to budge. But when it came down to uh, ESPN and the mothership and knowing the draft that they had coming down later tonight or that evening, uh, they were able to make uh, some concessions, some amends to the schedule. And they did so. And Serbs, I know we have uh, some sounds. Let's go to Dylan DeLucia. Final call. Uh, This is David Kellum on the Ole Miss Sports Network. This is how things ended between the Rebels and the Razorbacks. Meeting for the first time ever in the College World Series this postseason, but third time in the College World Series in Omaha. And it was Dylan DeLucia going the distance to close the door on the Razorbacks. One ball, two strikes to Lanzilli. Dylan DeLucia kicks, fires the pitch. Swing and a miss! He struck him out, and Ole Miss will play for the title against Oklahoma. Two to nothing. Final score, Rebels. One of seven strikeouts, nine innings, 113 pitches, 75 of those were strikes. David, that's on four days rest following a seven to two-thirds inning performance where he struck out 10, gave up a run against Auburn, the 5-1 win for Ole Miss. So they go 5-1, 13-5 over Arkansas, 2-3 loss to the Hogs. First game decided by three runs or less. First tight one we had, and then 2-0 on Thursday, Ole Miss in the College World Series final. And Dylan DeLucia was absolutely spectacular. Now 37 strikeouts for him this NCAA tournament. Yeah, he has been just tremendous. And the great thing is, so I was listening to the Ole Miss radio broadcast yesterday during the latter part of the game, and and David Kellum was saying that he talked to DeLucia uh, the night before game three, the deciding game in the hotel, and said, hey, are you nervous for tomorrow? And he just looked at him and goes, no, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to win tomorrow, and then I'm going to pitch game three on Monday, and we're going to win it all. That's it. And that's that's what he did. And I thought... I thought Dave Van Horn's comments were very telling afterwards when he said, quote, he didn't give us a chance. He nope. didn't give us a chance. The leadoff man had never reached base in any one of those innings on Thursday. And Arkansas is going home. They're going packing. A, a year where, you know, the expectations were, were through the roof for them, given what they did last year, falling short of even getting to Omaha. So to get to this point, I, I think just a, a massive Massive win still for that program for Arkansas. Sure, plenty of disappointment, but for a team to reach the semifinals on the doorstep of getting to the finals, given all of the adversity that they've had to deal with all season long, uh, still just just spectacular. And Connor Nolan, he dealt. I mean, he still he threw an otherworldly type game. He just couldn't get any offensive support because Dylan DeLucia was so freaking good and. In the same vein, Con, I mean, you talk about turnarounds, you talk about teams that nobody gave a chance to get to this point from one of the final four into the tournament after going one and done in Hoover. And back on May 1st, after dropping a series to Arkansas, Ole Miss was 24-19, 7-14 in the SEC. These two teams come together in Omaha, linking up for the first time ever. In the College World Series, just further, you know, accentuating this rivalry, which it's not bitter. It's certainly respectful, but they are SEC division rivals. So, you know, there is some some angst, some hate between these two, but a whole lot of respect. And these two just find a way to keep 
linking up in the postseason. He had a Super Regional a couple of years ago. And Mike Bianco, where he was a month ago when people were calling for his job. A lot of noise. Okay, Unfairly, too. Now, easy to say that. But given everything he's done in his 20-plus years in Oxford, he now has the Rebels two wins away from a men's college world series just remarkable yeah simply remarkable and here's the thing with Ole Miss they they got a lifeline from the NCAA right they went one and done in Hoover Vanderbilt took them out and you go okay Ole Miss that's it they're they're not even going to make the tournament it's over disappointing season in Oxford so they get into the tournament here's some numbers for you to just show how hot they've been in the postseason they're eight and one. They're only lost that three-two loss to Arkansas in Game Two of that uh, pseudo three-game series in Omaha. In the postseason, they have a one point eight nine team ERA. They have outscored opponents sixty-eight to twenty. The most game, most runs that anyone scored against them was six, and that was against Arizona in a game they won twenty-two to six. They are averaging seven and a half runs per game. They are allowing 2.2 runs per game. They are winning games by more than five runs a game. Dylan DeLucia in the postseason, by the way, that shutout yesterday, the first by an SEC pitcher at the College World Series since 1993, Brett Laxton for LSU throwing that. But Dylan DeLucia in the postseason, 3-0, 1.59 ERA, 38 strikeouts to three walks. He's averaging 110 pitches in the postseason. He's only allowed one earned run in his last 22 and a third innings, and he's given up no walks in his last 17. I mean, Hunter Elliott, by the way, we haven't talked about him. 2-0, 0. 0.96 ERA in 18 and two-thirds, 22 strikeouts to seven walks. He's going to be on full rest for Saturday. Full rest, Shaz. So Ole Miss gets their number two guy to go up, presumably against Oklahoma's ace and Jake Bennett on Saturday. Saturday at 7 o'clock, Sunday at 3, Monday at 7, if necessary. All those can be seen on ESPN or heard, by the way, on the Varsity Network app. Make sure you download that if you haven't already. Uh, in a partnership with Westwood One, you can access uh, the national broadcast, but also the team-specific broadcast. Listen to David Kellum, who you just heard from, with the final call there after Delucia's complete game. And then also Toby Rowland on the Oklahoma Sooners radio network. That's the Varsity Network app, your home for the Men's College World Series so Ole Miss, my goodness, what a what a run um, to this point, and still with work to be had. And, and you bring up Jake Bennett for Oklahoma and the Oklahoma pitching staff, uh, a team that certainly has their rotation in line and set up because they swept through their side of the bracket, three zero and. Uh, for Ole Miss, Hunter Elliott, who, yeah, is on full rest. Uh, but where do they go after that? So before we pivot and look at bracket number one and how Oklahoma got here, let's focus just briefly on the Ole Miss pitching situation now with DeLucia throwing as much as he had. You'd have to think, certainly, I mean, this is these are the final games of the year. This is for a chance to win the national championship. If a scenario presented itself, let's say in game three on Monday, DeLucia may not start. But he certainly would, would need to be available, um, and he could start. But, like, that's my thought, Con. So the question to you is, like, at what point does DeLucia become a factor against Oklahoma, if at all? Would it be on Monday? Could he come back on Sunday? And then where does Ole Miss go with their number two starter? They went with Gaddis in the loss against Arkansas. But they have yet to use one Derek Diamond, who last pitched on June 6th when he went three and two-thirds, gave up five runs against Arizona. Yeah, so it's a great question, right? Hunter Elliott is definitely starting Saturday. If he doesn't, I'll be stunned. I mean, it's not been announced, but I would be floored if he's not starting. So I bet they'll go Gaddis again, and here's why. Gaddis didn't pitch horribly in the loss to Arkansas. He, he got through five innings, and then you had Washburn and Doherty uh, you know, get through the rest of the way. But here's why you go Gaddis. I've heard rumors that Diamond is hurt. So I don't think he's actually available. And maybe that's why he hasn't pitched since June 6th. There's not confirmed, but I've heard trickling rumors coming around from several things Several things I've seen on Twitter that Diamond might be dinged up. Now, I don't know how bad or if he is available, but they just didn't want to start him because they thought Gaddis would be a better option being fully healthy. That might be the reason why he didn't start. Because I had seen on Twitter, and this has since been deleted, Ole Miss had tweeted out, Derek Diamond was getting the ball 
in that middle game against Arkansas. They had tagged him and said, you're starting pitcher. That tweet's gone. So I don't know if something happened, but I've been hearing trickling things coming out of Omaha sources that Diamond is hurt. I don't know how hurt. I don't know if he tweaked something or if he even is actually hurt. These are not confirmed. But I've been hearing these things. It's come up on Twitter here and there, but it's been very sparse that that he is he's been dinged up. So that's why they went Gaddis. So I would assume they'll go Gaddis again, and I would bet you Dylan Delucia gets the ball on the mound to start Game Three on Monday if the series goes three games. I would also bet if Oklahoma wins Game One, Delucia will be available out of the bullpen in Game 2. I don't think he'll start Game 2 because that's too short a rest. It's three days. But your third day, you're kind of ready to throw a side session again, so you might be able to have Delusia throw like 20 pitches if you need it. But if I'm Bianco, I kind of use Elliott as long as I can, like burn him in Game 1. Hopefully you can go to Johnson or Josh Mallett and, and wrap it up. Game 2, it's Gaddis slash bullpen, whatever. Game three, Delusia, you go till your arm falls off, and then we figure it out from there. That would be my strategy if I was Mike Bianco. Yeah, that would make the most sense. For Skip Johnson at Oklahoma, his rotation is set. It's going to be Jake Bennett, uh, Cade Horton, and then a guy who is nearly as sensational as David Delusia was on Thursday, and that is David Sandlin, who on Wednesday during the day, Five hits allowed, 12 strikeouts, one walk, and one run in seven innings, thrown 100 pitches, 69 of which were strikes in Oklahoma's 5-1 win over Texas A&M to get to the Men's College World Series final for the first time since they won it all in 1994. Runner at second, two outs. Here's the 2-2. Got him! Swinging! And you can unhitch the wagon! Put the ponies in the barn! in 2022 unbelievable unbelievable Oklahoma is into the national championship series final score on a Wednesday afternoon in Omaha it's Oklahoma 5 and Texas A&M 1 Toby Rowland Trevin Michael there, closing the door. He's the closer for the Sooners. Came in through the last two innings. And again, Sandlin was the star getting a 9-4 with his seven innings thrown and 12 strikeouts, which I believe tied a season and a career high. Uh, those 12 punch-outs. But Oklahoma, 5-1 winners over Texas A&M. There was really never any question in any of the Sooners' ball games. I mean, they put up a three-spot in the first inning. Got a home run out of Jimmy Crooks. Uh, he's got two three-run homers here during the Sooners' stay in Omaha. And uh, again, for Sandlin Khan, the tone setter uh, it just couldn't be solved by those Aggies hitters. That that potent A&M lineup was put on ice uh, by Oklahoma twice. Again, falling 13-8 to in a lot of those eight runs in, in the first game on the opening day of the College World Series last Friday came in the later innings after Oklahoma jumped ahead 8 nothing, I think it was. And then Oklahoma won 6-2 over Notre Dame, fighting Irish uncharacteristic, uh, uh, especially defensively during their stay in Omaha after beating Texas in Game 1 and then 5-1 over the Aggies again for the Sooners and Oklahoma. This was this was a team you really liked. You've been you've been holding them tight, uh, clutching those pearls of the Sooners for some time, Con, and they haven't let you down. No, I, I certainly did like them. I thought Notre Dame would play a little bit better in Omaha, and that's why I had them advancing out of bracket one. But Oklahoma did not surprise me getting to the bracket final, and and they took advantage of some some key Notre Dame miscues and just some of the ability to jump on Texas A and M. We talked about the fact that you have to get early leads on A&M because they have such a powerful offense they can come back and get you in the later innings Oklahoma never gave him a chance and David Sandlin was phenomenal against Texas A&M those 12 strikeouts the most that Texas A&M has been struck out in a game all season Sandlin does that to the Aggies in the clincher for Oklahoma let's talk about the Sooners though a little bit statistically like like uh, Ole Miss they haven't played since Wednesday so they're going to have everybody fresh except for Sandlin because he went over 100 pitches. And he'll have full rest for Monday, though, because he pitched Wednesday. So that's your five days rest. So like you said, their rotation is set. Bennett, Horton, and Sandlin will be one, two, and three. Now, the one thing I noticed when looking at Oklahoma's numbers on the mound, 
they have just as good of an offense as Ole Miss has in the postseason. They're averaging eight runs per game. Oklahoma seven and a half, or uh, Ole Miss seven and a half. Oklahoma has really ratcheted up the strikeouts. They have 72 strikeouts combined between those three starters, Bennett, Horton, and Sandlin, but they've allowed a ton of homers. Bennett's allowed five homers in his last three games. Sandlin's allowed six homers in the postseason, and Horton has allowed at least one homer in each of the last three games. And Shafts, we've talked about how good this Ole Miss offense is and how potent they are. That's a problem if Oklahoma can't stop giving up the gopher ball. Certainly is, and and Ole Miss those bats uh, those bats showed up at, at at times over the last week. I mean, Tim Elko has has gone yard. Calvin Harris has gone yard. I mean, we've seen these rebel sitters, you know, put fear into into opposing pitching staffs, and and this could be a matchup, you know, for them where because the long ball has been given up by the Oklahoma pitching staff, you know, they could be running up against the wrong kind of offense who's playing their best baseball at the best time, especially when everybody has counted them out. And and Ole, and Oklahoma very similar, you know, the arcs of these two teams, much like Arkansas and Ole Miss, okay, with with them, you know, having to you know, complete and, and execute quite the turnaround, overcome a, a lot of naysayers and, and doubt uh, to get to where they were in the semifinal. I mean, Oklahoma the same way. I mean, this was a team that was 18 and 12, 4 and 5 start in Big 12 play. That was on April 10th after a series loss to Oklahoma State, now 9 and 2 in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they've swept their way 3 and 0 here in Omaha into the Men's College World Series final. Again, third appearance overall. And Con, we're partying like it's 1994, the the year of David Kahn, right? <laughs> yes, I was I was born. I, I had I had not yet been born actually because I was born in July, July 12th, birthday coming up. Um, I was not yet born the last time Oklahoma made it to the finals of the Men's College World Series and won it all. So, look, they haven't won in my lifetime. Maybe that's a, a hint to who I'm picking later on. We'll see. So your birthday's coming up. Does that mean, uh, is, is that like our deadline for Serbs and I to make sure you get your, your Surge White Claw? Uh, yeah, I think that's a, a, a fair deadline. You've got, you've got a couple weeks. Okay, a couple of weeks. The only, I'm trying to pull up, who's a left fielder for Oklahoma? Is it Pettis? Uh, yeah, yeah, Kendall Pettis. He's the one guy that has not done anything for Oklahoma. So like if I if I'm going to pick somebody that and he's a Chicago guy that's why it stands out to me he went he went to Brother Rice <laughs> he went to Brother Rice High School on the South Side I saw when uh, they had mentioned it on the broadcast and I'm like okay Brother Rice yeah I'd, I'd go past there every time I was home I was just there a couple of weeks ago because my buddy lives right around the corner from B Rice they were a rival of mine at Mount Carmel when I was in school but I don't think he has a hit at all like I think he's 0 for 10 in Omaha so I'm I'm pulling up his splits let's see one four. 0 for 4, 0 for 4, 0 for 2, 6, yeah, 0 for 9. He's 0 for 9. And so, it's crazy because he was so good in the Super Regional against Virginia Tech, and he flashed the leather so many times. Yeah, yeah. So get it together, Kendall. I got I got faith in you. I got faith. Um, What kind of series do you think we're going to have, though, Con? Is this going to go three? Like, who's your pick? If we're going to reset our bracket, and what are our picks? I mean, I know you've you've demolished us in, in every facet here, both serves and myself. You're 15-11 overall. Yep. Fourteen and twelve overall for me. Uh, you do have Ole Miss into the final. Who you picked? You did go Notre Dame, not Oklahoma, but uh, probably should have went with your gut there with the Sooners. That's okay. Um, I was wrong with Notre Dame. Also, you went Notre over- Dame too. So I know. Let's, I know. Let's know, let's know. let's calm it down. Okay, we all went Notre Dame. Fifty-four points in the bracket challenge that gets you the surge. White Claw Pack. Uh, by the way, I saw a couple people out at the pool with those the other day, and I I said a prayer for them. I said. A prayer for them. <laughs> <laughs> we were at the uh we were at the dash game the high a white Sox minor league affiliate the winston-salem dash we were there uh as a company you know vibing serbs wasn't he was too good for us on wednesday night but we had tall boy white claws in the uh at the party deck those things like i don't even think tall boy accurately described uh the size of those cans like those were girthy those reminded me of you know when you go to the bank and you put your cash or you retrieve your cash uh, out of the little like suction cup tube that flies through the little thing and the yes. thing and, and you know there's that thing and then you pull it out and you get the pen. That's what the white claw looked like, like one of those capsules. It was massive. To me, I wanted to put. I forgot to do this, but this was my first thought: is I wanted to compare the size and the girth of that can against your muscle because I feel like it would have <laughs> been similar size. 
Oh man, we gotta we gotta go back and and do a case study. Bicep right. versus White Claw, which is girthier? Li- which one would you rather? Literally a case study. Literally. Which one would you rather chug or pound or sip on? Or is that a question for <laughs> That's after the a question? Pod? Yes, we're after the pod. <laughs> no comment. Um, um, but yeah. Before, so, you want you want to get into the series or? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what's your prediction? Yeah. Okay. So, uh yeah. I I am gonna go Ole Miss because I've been tooting their horn more than Oklahoma since that regional performance. Because I didn't expect them to come out of that regional. You did. I picked Arizona, but. Since then, I've been riding the Mike Bianco train, and I'm going to ride him all the way to a national title. I think Ole Miss gets it done in three games. I think that Oklahoma will probably take game two. Oklahoma will, or Ole Miss will win game one and three. That's my prediction. Hunter okay. Elliott and, and, and uh, David DeLucia have not been beaten in the postseason. They have not. It's just a fact. As much as I want to go Ole Miss, so a lot of this is just I, I can't stomach picking, making the same pick as you either, and I can certainly I justify. Uh, Which is why it's so fun in. to make to force you to pick the other team. Yeah, and I haven't really bought in or subscribed to Oklahoma um, except when they were in Blacksburg. <laughs> Oddly <laughs> enough, which yeah. is is no surprise since I've gone against Virginia Tech all season long. So I, I, I'm gonna take the Sooners. Okay. Uh, I just think with their pitching staff sent as it is with Bennett and Horton and Sandlin and this offense, you know, if my guy Kendall Pennis can find a hit somewhere in Omaha, I think it's going to, it's going to come at the right time. It's going to be in a big time spot. And, uh, from, from Peyton Graham and Tenor Treadway and what those guys have done, Jimmy Crook swinging the bat well with a couple of home runs and even, um, Blake Robertson, who's, uh, had a home run, I think as it knows Nicholas. I mean, all these guys can, can, can swing it. And, and the offense has been there consistently since the, since the early parts of April. Now that they, now that Skip was able to retool his lineup in a way, get everybody healthy. Um, it's just, God, it, it's too much of a sure thing, I think, in my mind. Now, the moment you say that is when, yeah, Ole Miss is going to continue to um, right. it's going to continue to surge, uh, if you will. And um, how many games? Yeah, uh, let me go. Let me go with three. I'll go three games. All right, Serbs, who you yeah. got? Uh, two games, Rebs. All right, Ole Miss with a sweep. Dude, Serbs been Serbs been working his booty off, man. NBA draft coverage. Content, all, everything on Twitter they've been putting out at Learfield Audio. He's been a busy man here. Like yes. the fact that he's been able to, you know, put the put the men's college World Series on uh, in the background and grind over NBA draft stuff in preparation for what went down last night. Man, I got I got to applaud you. And I will say, thank God we don't have to see an, another NBA draft commercial during the men's college World Series this weekend because that's the only reason why I knew that the draft was actually going on. <laughs> Yeah, mothership was uh, mothership was was pumping that one. I mean, they're not going to talk about the NBA after what? They got another two weeks talking about the NBA before free agency settles, contracts mm-hmm. get signed, uh, and then they move on to the NFL. So get ready for NFL preseason commercials. I guess I don't yeah. know. It's almost July, but I do want football directly injected into my veins right now. Speaking, I, speaking our final baseball, our penultimate we, baseball show, but still. Well, speaking of football, Serbs, you said you might have some exciting announcements coming about CSN uh, soon. Are you, are you able to announce those, or are those still in the dark? They're still in the dark right now, but yeah, we will have announcements to come. Perhaps uh, one Stephen Hartzell will make that announcement um, when that goes public. All right. All right. Well, still on baseball here, as Serbs mentioned, our penultimate, our penultimate podcast, the uh, to set the schedule before... Uh, Shas get, gets you going in the next. I do, I do have one podcast. more football note. I do have oh, one more okay. football All note. Right. Does does Arch Manning committing to Texas take the sting out of the Longhorns going zero two? Like, do people even care? Uh, oh, I don't. I don't know. Uh, do people in Texas don't care that do, do the we, Longhorns went zero two. Do we see Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning both being on the same roster? Uh, not this coming season, but next season. No, like, Quinn Ewers will transfer to somewhere. Another school. To be school? Named later. Do you th- so are you have, the, have you watched much tape on Arch Manning? I, uh, I think a lot of people are assuming that limited. he will come in as the number one high school prospect and supplant Quinn Ewers, who was a very highly touted quarterback prospect coming out of a um, coming out of high school, headed to Ohio State. 
But if you really break down the tape on Arch Manning, some may tell you that perhaps the name is adding a bit of luster to the ranking. And while he is a very good quarterback and a definite starting caliber college quarterback, he may not be starting freshman as a true freshman ready to take your team to the national championship quarterback, which some have branded him as a la Tua Tungavaloa, uh, Trevor Lawrence, that caliber already coming in, and he might not be. Like yeah, I will say, I pump think the brakes on Arch Manning. I agree. I think the name enhances um, the expectation more than anything, and we just expect him as Cooper's son with the last name Manning, who's a nephew of Eli and Peyton, that he's going to be the next coming of, you know, our quarterback savior. And Arch Manning, by the way, this. This shows you what a sat. He's been very protected, right? Like he hasn't done any media. He wasn't on social media until making his commitment. He joined Twitter, is following nobody, put committed to the University of Texas, hashtag hook'em, with him dropping back to pass in a little Texas cutoff. He's got good thighs, by the way, real good thighs. <laughs> and the amount of followers that he has is stunning yet also understandable and not a surprise 36.6 thousand Jeez, 36.6k followers and he is following nobody and he's already got the blue check mark you know what he like reminds, how does all this happen you overnight know what he reminds me of in in have you guys have seen the entire series friday night lights i take it as oh yes as sports veterans here yes, yes. great show you know the quarterback that comes in with his dad and his own coach and they chase Coach Taylor added yes out of Dylan High like yep that's who he reminds me of they even look alike ooh and I just like I'm just not buying that Steve Sarkeesian and this kid are what everyone is going to be saying they are for the next year like I just and I think a lot of people need to wait for Quinn Ewers to take the field at Texas too I think he's a very Mm -hmm. good quarterback and. If anything, this may set Texas up pretty if if Arch is able to sit for a year. The question is, will Arch Manning sit for a season? Like, if Quinn Ewers comes out, lights up the Big 12 this season, which, with a brand-new head coach at, at Oklahoma, even though it's Brent Venables, who's a good defensive coach, with a brand-new coach and a, and a new regime taking over at Oklahoma, the door is wide open for Texas to do its thing before they leave for the SEC, and... I'm just this commitment is interesting, the timing of it. But if Quinn Ewers comes out and balls, is Arch Manning firm in that commitment, and is he an early enrollee at Texas in January? That's the more interesting story, I think. Here's the other question: What about a two quarterback system at Texas? No, it never works. It never ever. The the I remember like he's not going to be willing to share time. Yeah, like the Manning family would not allow that to happen. These these are the same guys. I'm I'm not saying share time. I'm not saying share time. I'm saying use them. I don't know. Is one more mobile than the other? I haven't really studied. I've got great arms versus Arch, but they both got great arms. Uh, Quentin Ewers probably has a better arm than Arch. Okay. Um, as far as uh strength goes right now, but like. You know that's also going off a lot of tape because Quinn Ewers hasn't played. Um, okay, fair enough. That that, that there was a question that popped into my head. I haven't I haven't watched a lot of film on yeah, either one. Not, the, one of those guys is not like a option quarterback with a weak arm. Like no, no, gotcha. There's no sense in running both of them out there. It's not like Clemson, you know, would with a with a inferior quarterback bring out one of their highly touted recruits, a la Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence, and then right. The two-quarterback system was really a way for them to win the job. I don't think that happens. Based on what I've seen out of those two quarterbacks, I don't think that's a situation that happens. I think, Fair enough. I think this commitment is soft, and I don't think Sark is safe at Texas either. If they come out and have a bad year, is Arch going to stay there because is Sarkeesian going to wind up being there another year? I mean, I'll yeah. tell you who's hyped up about this. Matthew McConaughey who we recently saw at our Learfield conference speaking to us, he was all over social media yesterday being hyped up about Arch Manning's commitment for the University of Texas. Here's the, like, what does a commitment even mean anymore? Like, what is the likelihood that he's even going to suit up one time for Texas? Like, what if Sark yeah, gets fired after this coming year? Like, you know, the, the whole commitment thing can change. i tell you what um, it is. It's leverage in an NIL negotiation because there's mm. there's no – I mean, does Arch already have NIL deals? If he doesn't, 
Like, surely he'll have one soon enough, and now he's negotiating in Austin, Texas, probably the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you know, big markets down in Texas. He's negotiating huge deals to, you know, enroll wherever he enrolls as a very, very rich young man. And he's going at, he's going against and going to be joining a guy, Quinn Ewers, who was one of the first with NIL. Like, that's the reason why he went to Ohio State, being from Texas, is because the NIL rules in Texas prohibited him from as a in high school prohibited him from signing an nil deal and making money so he reclassified went up a year went to columbus was what third string like took maybe two snaps but it allowed him at ohio state to make money and it was some uh like some goodwill like brain like brain or depression like emotional like psychological type cause I forget the name of the company that he was representing um, and, and doing good work for and making money off of that, but he couldn't do it in Texas as a prep high school athlete. So that's why he had reclassified and went to Columbus. So um, he was one of the first. But, yeah, be interesting to monitor. I just know it kind of takes the sting out of uh, if there was any, you know, for a school like Texas uh, playing in Omaha. I don't think there then, was. I don't think there was. Yeah, I don't think people care. Should we should we talk some jello shots, Shaz? <sighs> Yeah, so my last check, the total, you gave us the gentleman who bought 2,000 shots for Ole Miss. Uh, if I'm looking at the board correctly, last update put out at CWS Shot Board. This is the College World Series Jello Shot Challenge from Rocco's, who apparently has great pizza, too, by the way. Um, yes. But, but for a place that needs to find kind of a niche and something to allow it to stand out and bring business in, uh, the Jello Shot has done just that a four dollar 50 cent shot that is maybe a third um maybe one third of the alcohol that should be in a jello shot it's all pre-packaged stuff there's no way these people can actually manufacture and and create um their own jello shots so they have them shipped in and the last total that i'm seeing is eight thousand five hundred and twelve for arkansas and nine thousand three hundred and sixty for Ole miss as of 50 hours ago so that rebels total is going to continue to soar and it will triple what was the record set last year by mississippi state yeah well and by the way you mentioned that they can't keep up with the demand of making all these shots they they really don't they actually tweeted out last night 12 hours ago they buy them from slurp shots they may they pre-make the shots and they send them into rocco's really for this weekend and basically all year but especially for this weekend and uh, as we saw earlier in the week, Rocco's announced that because of all of the generous shot purchases that have been coming down, they're going to give back $2 from every shot to a Arkansas and Ole Miss food bank for every shot that they have ordered throughout the College World Series. So great job by Rocco's to give back to the community. And actually, Shaz, Slurps has teamed up with Rocco's. They're going to make a $1 donation split between the Arkansas and Ole Miss food banks for every shot sold at Rocco's during the entire College World Series, not even including just Arkansas and Ole Miss. It's every shot. So with the final total, they're going to make a $1 donation for every shot, and half of it will go to the Ole Miss food bank, half of it will go to the Arkansas food bank because those two have blown everybody else out of the water. The next highest team was Texas A&M at 13.09, the lowest, Stanford. What are you doing? They obviously don't like jello shots out in Palo Alto at 198. Well, you're not going to appease people from from wine country with uh, Jello shots. So. <laughs> That's very um, true. Also, Notre Dame five seventy six, Auburn four fifteen, Oklahoma four eighty nine. Uh, they might they might hit a thousand, you know, before yeah, uh, before maybe. Monday. Unless Oklahoma and, has like a huge donor come out and just drop coin like uh, Ole Miss and Arkansas have been doing. I mean, there have been some notable names that have come in and just absolutely unloaded their credit cards this weekend at Rocco's. Yeah. Uh, Texas 304. Yeah, some big-time names like in the uh, in the hunting apparel uh, type in industry. I'm trying to I'm trying to see if I can find what his name was. Tyler he, Jordan. He was one of the, yeah, he's the one who came through for Ole Miss to answer yep. uh, a big purchase from Arkansas. So yeah, I mean, Banded this Brands has been was Banded Brands hunting gear was the one who did it for yeah, Arkansas. Yeah, this is the uh, this has been where all the all the drama has lived on the College World Series Jello Shot Challenge. Uh, Twitter at CWS Shop Board. Uh, the updates. It, it's been it's been the one thing that you have had to track throughout the College World Series. Uh, must watch, must consume content, uh, and seeing these fan bases just go berserk, and specifically Arkansas 
and Ole Miss and and good on Rocco's because it, it would take Rocco's and a jello shot to help promote and bring our country together uh, for a good cause you know no matter what it is uh, with various food pantries or you know locations and organizations and in Oxford and in Fayetteville and for Rocco's to have a role in that now because of just the insane number of jello shots that have been purchased and um, also uh, their supplier or their provider in Jello shots uh, coming through and also giving a dollar. Uh, pretty cool. And that being, what is it? Slurps? Slurps. Yeah. Slurp shots. Lo- love yeah. it. Love to see it. Love to see the, uh, the charitable donations giving back to the Arkansas and Ole Miss communities in Fayetteville and, and Oxford and, and just what a job that, that they've done all weekend. And we have another weekend to go three more games, potentially at least two, uh, just to set the final schedule shafts before we move on. Starts up Saturday night, 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Omaha time. Game two on Sunday, 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Central. Monday, if necessary, is a 7 o'clock first pitch, 6 o'clock Central time. All those games are going to be on ESPN. And as we mentioned earlier, a few podcasts ago, the series moved up. It was originally Monday to Wednesday. Now it's Saturday through Monday, which I like. I still wish it was Friday to Sunday, but beggars can't be choosers. Yeah, and Oklahoma will get the leg up because they didn't have to play on Thursday uh, since they swept through. And Ole Miss, uh, certainly more taxed pitching staff, but we'll see how it all plays out. You can listen on the Varsity Network app as well for Westwood One national radio coverage as well as the hometown call with David Kelm and the Ole Miss Sports Network, Toby Rowland on the Oklahoma uh, Sports Network. So get that on the Varsity Network app wherever it is you download your apps, the Apple Play Store, Google Play Store, etc. When is the last time you had a Jello shot, Con? Uh, when I was in Jefferson City, okay, uh, a few weeks good, ago, we we had uh, we had plenty of Jello shots actually. Yeah, I, I think I had quite a few too when I was in Jeff City. Uh, but it's not something I seek out. But if somebody wants to buy them for me, cool, great. So like when you do have somebody come in and and throw down nine G's um, on Jello shots, then yeah, certainly I'm I'm in. You know what I'm also in on, and and thank goodness for Netflix because that is my hat tip for this entire College World Series. Uh, the last week has been sensational for me from a viewing standpoint and i'm on a heater i'm on a heater in a lot of different areas of my life right now but uh we'll let you use your imagination (laughs) Uh, for me and netflix it was concluding it was concluding stranger things uh which oh my god okay the cliffhanger there as we await volume two the final season of what we thought was the final season right i i I think there were some some there is a season five um, crumbs they they have announced that a season five it will be made but we have two more episodes to go shas of Stranger Things, Jeez. and they're both two hours plus. Oh my god! They're I'm movies. Injected. They're literal Into movies. <laughs> so I concluded that I think on Saturday night, uh, so almost a week ago, and then I got into Spiderhead, which is the new Hemsworth and Tiller Netflix uh, original film. Con, uh, I, I know you did your homework, so I want to hear what you have to say about that first. And then I concluded uh, this trifecta, this hat trick of viewing on Netflix with Hustle on Tuesday nights because we did the dash on Wednesday. Uh, yesterday I was recuperating. I was basically in bed all day uh, outside of seeing <laughs> y'all for lunch. But um, Hustle, oh my goodness, Adam Sandler does it again, comes throughs in ways that you never thought were attainable for a guy like Adam Sandler, who's come so long in his career. We all love him for all of the the early comedic flicks with Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore and The Water Boy and all of those films that made Adam Sandler who he is today. And then even in the more dramatized like comedy films that he links up with Jennifer Aniston, for example. Like those are all great. They're all amazing. Then he comes out with Uncut Gems, and I need like three different sittings to watch it because it's just an anxiety attack, like every Horrible. single second. I enjoyed it. I just had to space it out because it was just so much. And then there's Hustle. And Hustle is the perfect kind of it's not as aggressive as what Uncut Gems is, but it is as serious in real life. Um kind of modeled after what Uncut is and the amount of buy-in and cooperation that he gets from the NBA kind of reminds me of Space Jam and, and Eddie from back in the 90s where you have just stars on stars and stars all involved in a truly inspiring, uh, beautifully well-written, executed story of a scout trying to validate himself a la Adam Sandler in finding the next gem, the next talent, the next diamond in the rough from a foreign country, going, locating him, bringing him to the States, 
and then trying to get him the opportunity to play in the NBA, to get drafted, to get seen. It's just an incredible sports film that I did not anticipate uh, moving into. Gosh, I hate to be a prisoner of the moment, but like top five sports movies all time. I mean, come on. It was amazing. I agree with you. I think it might be my favorite sports movie that I've ever seen. And and that's saying something because there's been a lot of iconic sports movies, like you said. But Hustle, for me, took what was good from Uncut Gems from Adam Sandler, which for me wasn't much. I didn't like the movie at all. I thought it was poor, never watch again. It was just sl- it was goodbye. sloppily goodbye. thrown together because everybody's yeah. yelling and talking over each other and the profanity right. and all of that. But right. Yes. Goodbye. Like, get out of my out of my brain forever. But I thought Hustle took what Adam Sandler did well in that movie and then combined it with everything else that he did in all of those other movies that you mentioned and merged them together beautifully to create this like perfect version of Adam Sandler in a sports drama. I mean, it was so well done. Everything about it. I, I couldn't look away. I watched it in one sitting and I immediately wanted to watch it again. It was just massively put together. The storyline was great. The the, the, the shooting was great. The the amount of stars that were in this movie, you look up, you're like, oh, hey, I know that guy. I know that guy. I know that guy. And you're like, oh, some of my favorite athletes, some of my favorite actors, some of my favorite actresses. I mean, it was just a masterpiece, and it's going to win many awards because that was arguably, like I said, one of my favorite sports movies of all time, if not my favorite. It was so well done. Spiderhead, I still haven't wrapped my head around it yet. Because it was just so different. I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. It was just, I, I don't know. I'm going to reserve my, my thoughts on this because I know Cerber wants to talk about Hustle as well. So I'm going to give him the floor really quickly. But but Spiderhead was just different. But Cerber, Cerber what did you think of Hustle? Uh, I really, really liked it. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not putting in top five or top ten, any anything like that. Um, but definitely one of the best of recent memory that I've seen. Um and i mean you made a great point there are so many stars like actual players in this movie playing themselves there's a couple playing other characters right like kermit's played by ant-man uh and um there's there's a couple others but anyways uh like but just the amount of like actual nba players they got to be in this movie makes it really really cool the fact that it's good makes it even cooler because like I don't know. Like Mike has a lot of NBA players in it, but that movie's not good. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What? It's, come on, doesn't it? It has oh. a lot of NBA players, but it's not a good movie. Oh, all right. I like Like Mike, but it's not. I mean, it's not better than Hustle. It's a, it's not, never not seen close. it. It's, it's a never seen what? Like Mike. Never it's a seen. Children's it. movie. You're, you're a basketball oh, shaz. You got to see Like Mike. It's a children's movie about magic shoes. You're fine if you don't ever. Is Lil Bow Wow in that? Yeah, exactly. It's fine. Pudge would like it, I think. If she if she's into sports, like like you know more kiddie sports movies, Pudge would like it. She needs to be watching Hustle. That's a real sports movie. Get her prepared. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Well, I I mean, I cried in Hustle because of the daddy daughter relationship. I cried when he jumped in the pool when he when they walk him in with they're at the combine and he doesn't know he's going to see his daughter and it's a surprise. You kind of get the idea, like because there's a shot where Sandler realizes what. He needs, you know, like what Bo really needs. Well, because it was Queen Latifah, his wife, yeah, she who goes, told him <laughs> maybe it's that he misses his daughter. Yeah, maybe it's a little girl. He misses his daughter. And, and Queen Latifah, by the way, what a, what a power Hollywood couple for a movie. Oh, Adam Sandler and yeah. Queen Latifah. Has there been a better fictional couple in all of Hollywood? I don't think no. so. Uh, Queen Latifah was sensational. Yeah, she's good. Oh, I wish she had a bigger role. I wish she was in more of it, but she yeah. was, she was, she was pitch perfect uh for her role ha, um nice. and uh yeah that was it that's a it's a really really good movie adam sandler does drama really well like he's had a couple stinkers like spanglish it's not good what? no one's gonna defend spanglish oh here. my god all right um it's that's your that's your poll it's spanglish gen- gen- generally generally that movie is derided as one of the worst ever made um, I didn't mind it. It's I not a good movie. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mind it. But Punch Drunk Love is one of the one of my absolute favorite all time movies, um, and that's a Paul Thomas Anderson film, I believe, uh, with Adam Sandler in the lead role. Um, Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems, not for me, but a lot Horrible. of people loved that movie. A lot of people actually. I, really I liked still, it. I still accept and can acknowledge like the cinematic, like beauty of it. 
yeah. but it's 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 not for everyone. Uh, it's certainly not. The, for everyone. the the beauty of Adam Sandler though is the range of which to play um, this character in this film the way he did. But he's also the Zohan, like and and he's <laughs> and the Billy wedding Madison, singer and the wedding singer. Like he has <laughs> and such Big a, Daddy. Yeah, he's I actually very, just he's saw the wedding singer recently for the first time ever. Very interesting movie. The I wedding singer. Movie. You've never seen it. That's a nope. great Somebody movie. kill me, please. Yeah, I remember. Come on my knees, pretty pretty, please kill, kill me. me. I, I want, want to die. die. Okay. So, I mean, it's like, yeah. Like, Why was that song not in Spiderhead? I feel like that would have worked perfectly. <laughs> Been listening to a lot of The Cure lately. Uh, um, that, yeah, man, Adam Sandler's great, but and, and so he hits another home run. Like more of these, less, um, less where he less plays uncut his own gems. sister. No, 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 uncut gems. He can even go for. I like, I like the idea of him going for gritty roles like that. It's, uh, it's the the what? Where, where does he play his sister? What's that one? Plays his sister. Uh, he plays his Wexler? own sister, and I can't remember the name of it. It's so bad. Al Pacino even got roped into Jack it and Jill. Jack and Jill. Boy, oh boy, now that's <laughs> like so. Like less of those and more of these. I'll say this: since he signed the Netflix deal, all these Netflix movies have been really good. I like all yep. of them. So. Yep. Yeah, I agreed. need to watch. Uh, I need to watch Blended. Is that with Drew Barrymore? One of the newer ones. Is that Jennifer um, Aniston or or Drew Barrymore? Wedding, Wedding Singer has Drew Barrymore. Yeah, yeah. Drew, Drew, Barrymore's, Drew Barrymore's in Fifty First Dates, which I really enjoyed. That's an all-time oh, yeah. favorite. Oh, for me. great movie! Yeah. 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 Top three Adam yeah. Sandler Adam, movie for me. Adam Absolutely. Sandler is, I think, hands down, like my favorite and most impactful actor. But it's because I mean, again, he, he hits Hanukkah all the feels. Too. Like he, yeah, there you go, right up your alley, Con. Um, <laughs> he's he of hits our, all the he's feels. Of our time. He's of yeah. specifically the three men on this pod. He's of our time. Well, you grow up in the 90s, you yeah. love his comedy, and then his films like grow with you in terms of sophistication and drama, and he's reinvented himself, and he's directing and producing all these now. Like, this is his thing. Like, he's built his empire off those funny ones that we all most identify with, and but he's hit every end of the movie spectrum. You know, it's just, it's incredible, his evolution. So, uh, Spiderhead, though, uh, very dark. Um, yes. clinical drug trials like alternative prison site that Hemsworth is running and administering these drugs and, and doing self-experimentation and uh, I, I was hooked man I, I don't know like I think it was bizarre and weird and just crazy enough where like I that's what I need like I need it in my veins like give me all <laughs> of that um, don't give me the drug that killed everyone but you know I, I'm there for experimentation. What was that dark and flux? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no dark and flux for you. No dark um, and flux. No dark. Yeah, and flux. I, I. So okay, I'm gonna admit this. I didn't really get it until it was over. It, it was. It's. I'm not a big dark movie guy, but you told me I should watch it, so I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this a go. Let's see what, let's see what comes out of it. What I took away most from it is, my God, Miles Teller is incredible. Oh, he's so holy good. crap! You I mean, talk I about a guy thought, who's grown before yeah. our eyes. Like from doing I just like, what, Top Gun Maverick and over? Yeah, yeah. I, I, we just saw Top Gun Maverick the other week. A few of us from the office went to go see it. Um, and then he knocked Sick out of the park in Spider. You were in Chicago. We talked about sure. this. Sure. Um, uh, otherwise, you would have obviously been on the invite list, Chas. Um, but yeah, I didn't love the movie. I mean, I thought it was good. Like the cinematic quality was pretty solid. The the storyline kind of faded for me a little bit i mean i i got it at the end once you know i saw how the, how everything wrapped up but i just couldn't look away from miles teller i mean the dude is remarkable he he is a burgeoning star and i want him in every movie i watch for the next five to ten years i want to be miles teller i want to be him <laughs> i want to be miles teller i want to be i want to be jack caglion i want to be miles teller <laughs> And one day, maybe the two of those can meet, and if they elope and have a love child, and you know, the year three thousand, uh, it would produce a <laughs> little Kyle Shasperger that would become the best version of himself that nobody had ever imagined. Would, uh, would yeah. that you want to be? Would that be a Shas slider? Yes, Ooh, I would be a, a slider. Would, would yeah. you want to be Miles Caglione or Jack Teller? <sighs> Cag Miles Caglione. Miles okay. Caglione. You want that? You want that last name? You love the last name. I love the last name. Yes. Love it. Okay. yes. Or or so Miles, have, Miles 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 There we go. Yeah. Shas we combined it all. 
All right, fellas, enjoy the enjoy the uh, men's college world series Saturday night, seven o'clock. Sunday, three o'clock, and Monday night, seven o'clock. That's all Eastern, so six, two, and six Central time. Watch it on ESPN, or even better, listen to the Varsity Network app. Toby Rowland of Oklahoma, David Kellum of Ole Miss. We'll have the radio call for you there. He's Michael Serber. I'm Kyle Shasperger at L underscore Serberino at Kyle Shas, and of course the one and only David Kahn at SportsCon Four. Follow us at CS Now Tweets. We'll talk to you uh, after it's all said and done, and we crown a national champion. Either a what third time they've won it twice before, right, Kahn? Yep. And For the last Oklahoma? two times they've won it, they started two and zero, and Oklahoma did start two and zero. They went right through the bracket this time, 1951, 1994. They went 2-0. They won the Natty both times. They did it again this year, so we'll see what happens. Also, we got to mention, Shas, Oklahoma looking to become the first university to win both the Women's College World Series and the Men's College World Series finals in the same year. They've had two other teams make it. 2011, Florida made it to both, but they lost both. 2010, UCLA made both, but they couldn't finish it off in Omaha. The women's team won the Women's College World Series, but the men couldn't do it. So Oklahoma softball, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. They won back-to-back Women's College World Series. Can the men get it done? We'll see. And for Ole Miss in search of their first national championship on the diamond, playing in their first-ever finals, 13 of the last 14 seasons. The SEC has had a team in the finals. And how about this as well? Seven of the last 11 men's College World Series winners have been first-time champions last year mississippi state can old miss double down for the state of mississippi we'll find out over the next few days we'll talk about it after on college sports now some people just know bundling with allstate means big savings just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor they know honey on pizza is where it's at and olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top and they know when you bundle home and auto with allstate you can save up to 25 percent Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.